Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Hello and welcome to the Bike Radar podcast, brought to you from the team behind Cycling Plus, MBUK and BikeRadar.com. Welcome to the Bike Radar podcast. I'm Rob Weaver, Technical Editor-in-Chief, and today I'm joined by Thomas Marvin, who is the Technical Editor. Hi, Tom. How's it going, Rob? Yeah, good, thanks. How are you? Very well, thank you, yeah. And our tech writer, Seb Stott. Hi, Seb. Hello, how are you doing? Yeah, good, how are you? Yeah, good, thanks. Excellent. We so, already established that you're good. Don't know why I asked you that. Oh, thanks. Yeah, well, <laughs> anyway. double good. Good good to check. Thanks, thanks. Very very considerate of you. Um, what's everyone been up to then? What have you been up to, Seb? Been, uh, been looking after my daughter and, um, yeah, riding bikes occasionally, but mostly changing nappies. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> and, and Tom, what about you? Uh, I've been mostly riding my new MBUK long-term bike, my Marin Elroy Steel Ooh. Hardtail. I am absolutely smitten. Um, it's excellent. Uh, and I spent Christmas Day up in Aviemore, so uh, riding some Scottish trails up there whilst also stuffing my face. Um, and since then, been trying to burn it all off. Excellent. How about you, Rob? What have you been doing? What have I been doing? Well, with two kids and, you know... Uh, it's been so busy recently, well, up until Christmas, that it's been nice just to kind of put my feet up. And if I'm honest, probably just riding on the road, really. Mm. Yeah, I know. Sorry. The occasional, you know, when I when I get a bit of time out, I will head out on on my long-term bike from UK, which is a Nuke Proof Mega, which Lovely. I very much enjoy. But yeah, just for convenience, more than anything, just to try and, you know, burn some of that turkey off, it's been out on the road bike. But all bikes are good bikes, so... Bikes are bikes. Anyway, back to what we're here to talk about. So, Tom, a little while back, um, I remember you and I had a bit of a chat. You seemed quite frustrated, quite angry after doing some, or attempting, should I say, to do some bike maintenance. And you ended up actually writing a, a feature for Bike Radar, didn't you, about standards? Yeah, I... Uh... It was one of those Saturdays where I thought, I'm going to go and do some bike maintenance. I've got a few things to fix on various different test bikes and long-term bikes. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to go and sort it all out. 
Um, and I went down there and I had three main jobs. I actually had four jobs. I didn't get to number four because anger levels were high because none of the jobs I wanted to complete were completable with the little spare bits and bobs in my garage simply because the bike industry cannot seem to settle on a set of standards. They've set, they've settled on a range of standards to do the same things. And I got very frustrated, very angry. And on a Sunday night, I actually did some work and I, I wrote a, well, I bashed out, probably breaking my keyboard in the process, a, uh, a, a an article about the mountain bike standards that the mountain bike industry should use on all of their bikes going forward. And I am correct in all of those <laughs> assertions. Did George, the editor, have to um, decapitalize every word of that article? <laughs> I think George, the editor, had to decapitalize quite a lot, change a few of my um, turns of phrase, perhaps, and maybe remove some of the more salty references to particular components that I didn't particularly uh, <laughs> like. But, but oh, what's dear, interesting about our conversation today is young Sebastian here doesn't necessarily agree with your... Um, angry rant does he i mean sebastian is young as he just said and therefore he hasn't got the worldly experience to know that i am right anyway said. <laughs> well i mean i hate to take the side of the bike industry uh but i feel like we should acknowledge that we have it pretty good in a lot of ways i mean if you and i wanted to swap our brakes or our fork or wheels there's a pretty good chance that we could I mean, we might have different bottom bracket standards, but um, you know, a bottom bracket is a consumable part. So if you just change the bottom bracket, you could fit my cranks onto your frame or vice versa. But I mean, you couldn't do that with your car. Like there's pretty much no components on my car that would fit yours. And, and if you've got a new car, you couldn't buy like a new car frame and fit all your wheels onto it and your, your engine. Like it just wouldn't fit. There's no way it would fit. So I think we're pretty lucky in the bike industry that we have some kind of standardization. Um, like, I know it's, it's, I think the reason that people get frustrated with it is because it's close enough to the ideal that we expect it to work. Whereas with something like a motorbike or a car, you just wouldn't even try. You wouldn't even expect it to work. So I, I totally understand your frustration. Um, but the frustration, I think, is coming from the fact that we're, we're actually quite close to getting there. And I, I think in a lot of ways we're going in the right direction. So, for example, we mentioned SRAM's universal derailleur hanger, which I think is a brilliant idea. And basically, if you don't know, it's a derailleur hanger that's universal. So it fits on any bike. Um, uh, sorry if that explanation was too complicated, by the way. Um, <laughs> but the... Um, but but that's I think um, we could see that becoming quite popular uh, and even ubiquitous on mountain bikes. And then if one person has a derailleur hanger on a ride, on a group ride, they could fix anyone's bike. Or you could just go into a bike shop and say, I'll have one derailleur hanger, please. Um, and similarly, press fit bottom brackets, whilst incredibly frustrating, I do think they do seem to be on their way out. We seem to be going back to threaded. Uh, which is a good thing. So, do you think I do? You, do you still think I'm terribly naive and um, in the pocket of big bike industry, or do you think that's a reasonable point? Put it like this: He's not walked off yet, Seb. So I'm sure he's got something else to say. So. <laughs> I'm still on screen, just about. Um, 
No, I, I think there is, there are things are getting better. But as you say, it's because we're so close and that's why it's so frustrating. And hence, mm. I made my list of the standards that if I had my own bike company, I would use. And they are all the best of the standards. So go give, give us a rundown. What are we going for? Right. I'm going to refer to my article. Square taper bottom brackets, right? No, 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 no. Right. So square, pe- square taper bottom brackets were incredible back in the day. The BB UN55 uh, Shimano square taper bottom bracket was literally indestructible. But I understand that Shimano's HT2 system with its external bottom bracket and a 24mm standard, uh, a spindle, is, I think it's the best system out there, full stop. So threaded bottom bracket, easy to put in and out, right? You don't need a bearing press, you don't need a bearing puller, none of that rubbish. You just thread it in and out. It takes one tool, very, very easy. And then a little pinch bolt on your cranks, very easy to undo. They don't get seized, you don't have to put scaffold bars on the end of your Allen keys. It's very, very, very simple and excellent. And also, everyone's putting these like 30 mil spindles in their cranks compared to your 24 mil on a Shimano. That means smaller bearings, which means they don't last as long. And if anyone can tell me that a 24 mil spindle is noticeably less stiff than a 30 mil, well, I think you've got to be a pro. Is that fair? So can we agree on that one? Can we agree that everyone should just use Shimano's HT2 system? <laughs> I think it's pretty good, yeah. Uh, right. You should send an email to SRAM and tell them that they should just do that. I actually, um, <laughs> I actually think the dub system is pretty good. Like, it is very simple to use, yeah. you know? And, okay, like, they use, what is it, 28.99 millimeter um, spindle. I don't know why they didn't just use 30, whatever. But they have their reasons. But the issue I have with dub is that regardless of how tight you put the cranks on, because you need to do them at quite tight, you need that scaffold bar to remove them. They do seem to seize on, don't they? Yeah, I agree yeah. with that. Um, the other thing that annoys me about dub is, well, that I didn't realize at first was that you need a different bottom bracket tool. Yes. So the whole idea, of the, the brilliant thing about threaded is that I've had a, a tool in my toolbox for decades that has always worked for all my bottom brackets, all my threaded bottom brackets, I should say. And all of a sudden I need a new one. And that, mm. that was annoying, that was quite galling. Mm. Um, but yeah, I agree, like there's no way that a Shimano crank is noticeably less stiff, but we kind of bring it upon ourselves when Every time we review a bike, there's a comment saying, oh, it could be lighter, it should be lighter, it's too heavy. And it's like the 30 mil, ax- the 30 mil axle standard basically allows you to make a lighter crank for a given stiffness, and, and that's why they're doing it. And that's why they did press fit as well. It's like it saves a bit of weight. I mean, that's come over from the road though, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. But we're just as bad for the weight obsession, or, or mountain bike consumers are... I think too obsessed with weight and the industry has to do everything they can to save weight because otherwise you'll go and buy something else. But do you feel that that's starting to um, lessen a little bit these days? Yeah, I do think so. Yeah, yeah. People are slightly less obsessed with weight for anything other than kind of cross country. Okay. I think that's a good thing. So moving on from um, your favoured bottom bracket, what else is in there, Tom? Um, one of the things that I only touched upon very briefly in the article, because I didn't realise it would cause so much um, discussion, mostly in my DMs uh, and <laughs> on the comments at the bottom of the... Uh, <laughs> people literally slid into my DMs. I don't know. It doesn't happen to anything, anything else other than bites. Such a popular guy. <laughs> but, but also the comments at the bottom of the article. Now, 
I sort of thought it was a given that everyone thinks that six bolt rotors are way and above superior to center lock. But apparently, some people actually like center lock rotors, which I, I simply don't understand. When you have to change rotors for some reason, it, and, and if you have access to a workshop and a bottom bracket tool, it is a lot quicker. But I, I agree with you. Like, if we all just had six bolt, that would be absolutely fine. Do you know what makes six bolt quicker? A drill makes it really, really easy. Now, the issue I have with it's still not as quick as center lock. The issue with center lock though is that there are multiple center lock um, standards. So you, some of them are a cassette tool, some of them are a, a BB tool. You're also mm. putting a tool that's been in your oily work box or work case thing. You know, your toolbox. That's the that's, word that's for it. Right, <laughs> right next to your. Um, braking surface which isn't very good also your knuckles are right next to your rotors when you skin them all the time and also also when they start to wear a little bit you get that little knock and nobody likes a little knock now i've never rounded a rotor bolt because i'm not that ham-fisted um and i've never had one seized because i know how to put them in properly so yeah i agree with you i i do find it's remarkable how many bikes come uh for test with slight play in the center lock rotors yeah. mm -hmm. But I, I find if you install them yourself and, you know, you put a reasonable amount of torque on it, they seem to be okay. But, yeah, I've had loads of test bikes that come with wobbly rotors and it's a real pain. The, the worst bit is that the actual lock ring on those is so shallow, isn't it? So mm. getting the tool to sit in there, especially uh, so my BB tool is angled. So holding, kind of getting that sort of, that downward pressure on it whilst trying to undo it. I mean, I skinned myself. I took a big chunk out of my thumb on, on Saturday, doing exactly that, Tom. There we go. Point proved. Yeah. I Six agree. Bolt. It looks quite neat, though. One, I must say, it looks quite neat, the old centre lock. Yeah. yeah. And just to play devil's advocate, sort of, is that centre lock uh, hubs can accept both six bolt and centre lock rotors with an adapter. True. So a centre lock hub kind of has an advantage, but... I agree with you that if the if the standard didn't exist, then you wouldn't have that problem. So, yeah, if we could go back to just having one standard or the other, I would be happy. Okay, right. So that's, I mean, it's a bit like Room 101 almost, isn't it? So, <laughs> What can I check yeah, away? Yeah, exactly, yeah. So, okay, what's next then? I think the, the, the next big one that always frustrates me, and I just don't understand the point, is a 35 mil bar clamp. Um, I've never had a 31.8 handlebar that's been... Uh, well, with a 38.1 handlebar, they can be stiff enough. 38.1, Tom. You, you're trying to make a new standard. Yeah, sorry, 31.8. <laughs> also, why not just 30 or 32, hey? Why 31.8? That does annoy me. But anyway, 31.8 um, bars can be both stiff enough and light enough, depending on what your application is, okay? Now, 35 more bars, on average, I find just tend to be too stiff, and I just don't think there's any need for it. 25.4, the original, original standard, before OS 31.8. Now, they were a bit noodly, and it, fe it feels like they found the best standard and then thought, oh, big is better. It isn't better. So why do we have 35 more bars? Well, it's, it's down to the old stiffness and weight, isn't it? It's another weight saving, essentially. When they combine Stop the, with your when you combine the stem... And the bars, the overall weight savings meant to be greater for the same stiffness. But yeah, you're right. I think the ones, I think the first ones I tried, I think they were carbon. 
and I and I rode through a section of trail that I know really well, and it felt like I had too much air in my front tire. It was quite unpleasant. What's your take on mm-hmm. it, sir? So I, I spoke to Rental and Raceface about this, and they said they they both claim their thirty five mil bars are the same stiffness. They don't they didn't want them to be any stiffer, but it's as you say if you have a if you have a bigger tube diameter, you can have a higher stiffness to weight ratio. So like the rental fat bar in 35 is like something like 30 grams lighter than the 31.8. And that's why they do it. There's the whole reason. Mm. Um, I don't, I think some of them are probably stiffer, but I don't think they're necessarily always stiffer no. as a rule. It's, no. just that, it's just that, yeah, you have that higher stiffness to weight ratio. So I would say, I, like, I would say 35 is probably better personally because because you can save a bit of weight for a given stiffness but i mean do we need to go to a whole new standard to save maybe 30 grams i think probably not i suspect not i mean i was trying to the this there's a new canyon spectral was launched um a couple of weeks ago and they've got their g5 range of components built by it's their in-house brand um and they've gone back down to 31.8 on their handlebars now from 35 um, because I think partly because of the harshness, um, I didn't quiz them too much because I was just in in absolute agreement with them when they told me they were doing that. I didn't question it. That's classic confirmation bias, Tom, isn't it? Mm. It's like if something agrees with you, just don't question it. <laughs> <laughs> that's how that's how anti-vaxxers are born, Tom. <laughs> I think I did ride the old ones from them, and I did notice. I think I emailed them about it, saying it was it felt quite stiff and I swapped the bars out just to try and confirm it. Um, Mm. So it's quite interesting to hear that they've done that. Excellent. So. (laughs) (laughs) We're in agreement. (laughs) Okay, another one. Another one, another one ticked off the list for Tom. Um, (laughs) I think, maybe. Um, Yeah. Yeah, we we agree that 318 is better. Anyway, moving swiftly on. (laughs) Before Seb chimes in. Okay. Tell us what the next one is. Well, my next one, um, and I think I think everyone can relate to this, is brake mounts. Um, so back in the day when I started riding disc brakes, you had the IS standard, um, and then quite often it was a different caliper for different rotor sizes, plus some adapters, X, Y, Z, and it was a bit faffy. And then post mount seems to have become completely regarded pretty much everywhere as the way to attach a brake caliper to a fork and a frame. However, there's different um, sort of standard, you know, you, you get a, a, a Postmount 160 or a Postmount 180 or Postmount 200 on forks, 180, 160 on frames. And I just think it should all be fairly well standardized. So forks are a Postmount 180, frames are a Postmount 160. And then you have either 20 or 40 millimeter plus adapters. And that gives you basically a full range of rotor sizes, 160, 180, 200, and 220. And it also means that you can then get rid of Shimano's 183 and 203 mil rotors, which frankly, when you just whack on a rotor that looks about right, and then you find that it's just rubbing on the outside or the inside edge of the caliper, it's very annoying. And you end up faffing around with spacers. Um, so just, sorry, so yeah, just to I, clarify, so when you're saying mm. post-mount 180, for example, you're saying that when you mount it directly to that fork, it'll accept a yeah. 180 mil rotor, is that right? 180 yeah, rotor, okay. yeah. And 
there will be some cross-country riders who are like, oh, but a 160 rotor's lighter. It's like, well, if everyone's riding 180, you'll have more power, which means you have to pull less on the bars. And frankly, you should just train a bit harder to go a little bit faster. There you go. There you go. All our Olympic hopefuls. There's your pep talk from Tom <laughs> for 2021. <laughs> go and train a bit harder. Train harder, go faster. <laughs> the, the the other thing that has annoyed me a little bit this year, actually, while I'm on a bit of a, a brake mounting um, role, is so in the road world, you get this thing called flat mount, right? Which is a way of, um, it's like the roadie standard. I don't know why they have it, but they do. I guess it's lighter or something. Anyway, cross-country bikes this year have started appearing with flat mount caliper uh, mounting points on the frames, especially. I'm looking at Orbea, for example, they've done that. Um, Mondraker too. Mondraker, and I do not understand why they've gone and done that. It's, I think it's very silly. So how does that differ to post-mount then? It's a different, it's the, the two bolts are closer together and generally speaking, in some ways it's quite a nice way of mounting the caliper to the frame because you effectively, um, well the bolts seem to tend to go I think through, um, they mount from the other side of the caliper, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Which maybe it has some advantages, I don't know, maybe it's light or whatever, I'm not too interested in that. Um, it's just another standard that we don't really need and I don't think really brings that many advantages. I agree with you, Tom, completely. Thanks, Seb. I think the Imperial um, imperial disc rotor standards should go as well. Mm-hmm. You so too, I think you, in, you, Imperial measurements generally can just can just die away. That would be mm-hmm. good. That would suit me. Can we sort of extend that to um, MBUK's editor, James Costley-White, who still in, insists <laughs> on us having our inches on our suspension measurements in, in bike tests? I know. <laughs> Every time I have to do a conversion via Google, what is 180 millimetres in inches? Oh, God. Does anyone still look at that stuff? I don't know. Probably MBK readers still like inches. <laughs> I don't know. They? I think there was definitely a time when you would refer to a bike as a six-inch travel yeah. bike or a four-inch travel bike or whatever it might have been. So I guess it's it's for those making sure we're keeping everyone happy. Our broad spectrum of readers. So we will continue <laughs> to do it as long as they're happy. Sorry, Tom. I'll have a word with Costly about this. Uh... <laughs> I'm sure. Do you know what? If you don't write it, someone else will put it in for you. <laughs> I'm you fine go. with that then. I'll, just, I'll stop writing it. Okay, now now we've done, we've we've covered a fair few now, but mm. whatever could be I next. Think the, I've got I've got two or three more that I do want to cover off because they do irritate me still. So I'm sorry about That's this. Fine. And if yeah, the the so headsets they're very complicated. Um, and I think every head tube should be built for an integrated angular contact bearing for a one and a half to one eighth tapered steerer tube. Uh, this means you can get rid of different integrations, hidden sets, I don't know, ZSs, different measurements, um, and just make everything a lot easier. And I also think that forks should have built into the crown the race itself. Instead of having to fit a crown race, they should just have like a molding to fit a standardized headset bearing. I don't understand why we need all these different systems, really. Now, I know there is a counter-argument to this that I'm sure one of you will make any second now. No, Tom, I... No? I agree. I think the only reason I can think to disagree is that... um, um, is angle sets. Exactly, yeah. It's nice to be able to fit an angle set. I mean, maybe bikes should just be slacker from the get-go. That would suit me as well. An angle set just implies that the bike design has got it wrong, right? Oh, yeah, well, they do that all the time. (laughs) So... Before you buy, check the geometry chart and make sure you get one that's slack enough. There you go. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. The other one I wanted... We, we, we're agreed on that. That's easy. The other one I wanted to sort of mention is the Shimano's cleat standard. 
Um, because obviously clipless riders, you know, about 50% of the mountain bike population ride clipped in, which is great. But there's loads of different standards out there. Now, I personally use Shimano pedals or nuke-proof pedals or look pedals or a whole host of other pedals. And they all use the Shimano cleat, which basically means it's very easy to jump between pedals. But if I want to go and use, say, Crank Brothers, I, I can't unless I have different pairs of shoes or change my cleats. It would just be a lot more simple if everyone wanted to use the same cleat, right? But I guess you're looking at it from your privileged bike testing point of view whereby you have access to all these things and it feels like Mm. if you're going to go and buy some pedals you're going to have those cleats come with them and therefore you know it's just a case of swapping the cleats over i I can't imagine too many people are maybe jumping between pedals if you have like if you had multiple bikes though you're sort of fairly tied to yeah true but i guess i i sort of feel like in a way that you kind of you're either into the feel of how Shimano or maybe Crank Brothers feel, or you're not. Mm. You know, so if you had multiple bikes, for me personally, and I had you know pedals on all of them, they would either be you know Shimano or Crank Brothers because it's quite a different feel to each of those pedals. If that makes sense. Which ones do you ride most of the time, Rob? Crank Brothers. I don't. I mm-hmm. personally, I'm I'm not a fan of how the Shimano pedals feel. I like, I kind of like that, um, for want of a better phrase, that, that sort of the vagueness of the Crank Brothers. You can feel when you clip in, but you also have a bit more in terms of free movement and float while you are clipped in. What about you, Seb? Yeah, I, I agree. I also run Crank Brothers. I think they're just a superior mechanism. They, they shed mud way better and they're easier to clip in and out, um, particularly if you're kind of riding over slightly rough terrain because you can clip in backward as well as forwards. That's sometimes quite handy when you're... That's kind of why all the downhill riders use them and m- most of the enduro riders as well. Um, so, But Crank Brothers pedals have... I think the bearings are still not as good as Shimano's. So if... I would almost say the opposite. If we could have Crank Brothers cleat interface with Shimano internals, that would be amazing. Mm-hmm. So I would almost say... The Crank Brothers cleat standard should be the default. What okay. do you think about that? I'm kind of I'm willing to concede on this one. I think, I think it's more like because there are so many different types. You know, Shimano has the the advantage of many third parties using the same mechanism, so it does make it very easy to jump between the different different types of pedals. You know, whether it's testing or different shoes with different pedal. You know, it's less. It's more a compatibility thing. Is much easier. But on the mechanics and, and the feel, I, I do, I, I, I sort of probably do give the um, Crank Brothers a little bit of an edge on that. Just. It's very big of you, Tom. Thanks. Do you ever, do you, you don't often ride in Crank Brothers though, do you? Well, simply because all my shoes have Shimano cleats in there. Okay. Um, and, you know, it's, I, I have, you know, I used to ride, I, when I first started mountain biking, I was riding with time pedals. Okay. Because, you know, they're very good in the mud, um, like the like the Crank Brothers ones are. Um, and certainly back then, Shimano had a slightly different sort of pedal body, which really wasn't great in the mud. They've since opened it out, gives it a bit more mud clearance, a bit more ability to push mud through. Because they used to clog um, so badly, didn't they? They were yeah, terrible. Yeah. That, I mean, that's but why I, I that, sort of moved away from them initially. Because I couldn't stand mm-hmm. it anymore. Yeah, me too. But then I, I moved on to Shimano 
I think when I was at uni, because basically everyone I was at uni with was riding Shimano clips. And thus it made more sense for me to join that camp because, you know, we could swap bikes. It was, you know, you know, like you do when you're at uni, you mess around and, and have a go on other people's mm-hmm. bikes. So it's a lot easier to, for me to then move to Shimano. And I just sort of stuck with that. Okay, fair enough. <clears throat> so, yeah, I guess, yeah. S- split opinion to a degree, but... Mm. Maybe one of my more tenuous um, irritants. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's maybe not as um, clear-cut as the others. Like rotor bolts, which are obviously better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And 31.8 mil bars, which are obviously better. But there you go. There you go. <laughs> okay, have you got any more for us? I think the last one that irks me still, I've been recently putting together a bike for um, my girlfriend, and it has uh, seat post diameters. They're all different. And much like the handlebar clamps with the 31.8, why is it not just 32 mil? Seat post diameters are never round numbers, which I don't understand why. And there's probably four different sizes now. So you've got 27.2, which, you know, traditional sort of traditional size, found it now still on cross-country bikes and road bikes and gravel bikes. Then you've got 30.9, why not 31? Who knows? Um 31.8, was it? 31.6. No, what's the other one? 31.6. Again, why not 31.8 like a handlebar, or why not just 32? Um, and then 34.9, why not 35? That's on a lot of specialised. And then even there's those fully integrated ones that um, some German companies were putting on light bills, I think, a couple of years ago. Anyway, I think, you know, we're talking about how, like, big is better, like, bigger diameters, you like your 35 mil bars, all that sort of jazz. Why don't we just stick with 34.9 on everything? Stiffer, better, better overlap, better seals, right? Yeah, I think you're right. Because I guess in theory, when you're talking about dropper posts, for example, it means you're not having to get those the designers of the dropper posts to package everything in such a tight space. They get yeah. a little bit more room to breathe so they can pack even better stuff inside them. More reliable, right? Yeah, exactly. So what, what is the advantage of having... What is the point of this of the narrow diameter posts? Why, why have they become... You know, why is 30.9 so prevalent? when there could be 31.6 or it could be 34.9. we got no answers. <laughs> yeah, no I, 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 I'm in complete agreement with you on this one, Tom. The, the only reason I would... I would probably still buy a 30.9 post because then you can fit it in any frame. Mm-hmm. Um, and some posts nowadays come with the three... Sh- the, well, the two shins you need to fit 31.6 or 34.9. But, I mean, it's not a great solution, is it? Because you're... You're compromising the post by making it really thin and then fitting it in a big seat tube with a plastic with a big bit of plastic. So yeah, if if all bikes went to 34.9, that would be great. But I mean it's like the rotors, it's like there is no there is no advantage to the smaller sizes. It's it's just we just have we're just stuck with multiple. It's a legacy thing. Yeah, it's a legacy thing, exactly, yeah. I guess the frustration with them is that because they are, especially the 30.9 or the 31.6, are so close to each other that visually it's very difficult to differentiate between the two. Like I think yeah, with totally. the 35mm bar, it's quite easy to see that it's a 35mm or a 31.8, but with those two being so close, and so unless it's clearly written on the post and somehow on the frame, if you're just going through a parts bin trying to find a dropper, it's just, just one of those little annoyances, really. 
you're, you're so in touch with the people, Tom. You know when you're just rooting through all your multiple documents <laughs> and you, uh, you pick out the wrong one. I mean, that is a problem for us. For us three uh, people, that's probably it. Uh, <laughs> but no, I agree with you. Like, um, your, your dropper on your previous bike, it would be nice if it always fitted mm. your next bike. Absolutely. That's not the case, yeah. So there's my list of standards that I think the mountain bike industry should be using in mountain bikes. You can check out my article on bikeradar.com. Just search for mountain bike industry standards or just Google mountain bike industry standards bike radar, Tom Marvin. Um, And let me know what you think about that in the comments. Also, thank you very much for listening to the Bike Radar podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and share it with your friends. We've got new episodes every Monday and some Fridays as well. Um, Apologies for this slightly odd ending to the podcast. Something went wrong with the recording. We're not quite sure what. Um, But there we are. That sometimes happens. It's 2021 after all. But yeah, thank you for listening and we'll catch you next week. Thank you for listening to the Bike Radar podcast. If you want any more information on what we've been talking about or more news and views on cycling, check out bikeradar.com. Bike Radar.